This episode of the Copy Blogger Podcast is brought to you by Digital Commerce Partners. Every online business needs traffic, but the wrong traffic is worthless. And if you're paying for traffic that doesn't convert, it's worse than worthless. What you need are qualified prospects primed to purchase your digital products and services. Digital Commerce Partners offers a strategic approach to traffic that helps your business win big. Since 2006, Copyblogger founder Brian Clark has been teaching creative content marketing and effective SEO. And we've practiced what we preached, building an eight-figure bootstrapped software, online education, and hosting business. Now, you're the one with the great digital products, maybe an online course, virtual community, or a SaaS product. And you've got a tried and true sales funnel that converts the right people into customers. Well, it's time to fill that funnel. Not with any old traffic. You need your type of people. And our strategic content marketing process will bring them to you. New customers are the lifeblood of your digital business. And yet it's the quality of your products and services that will ultimately determine your level of success. With digital commerce as your partner, the return on investment will be clear. Your existing offers will be more profitable and you can focus on developing new products and growing your brand. We build profitable digital commerce products and businesses for ourselves and those we work with. For us, providing content marketing and SEO services to clients was the last step, not the first. As the agency production arm of content marketing pioneer Copyblogger, Digital Commerce Partners works with you to deliver the prospects you need to succeed. Let's explore how we can help your business win. To learn more, simply go to digitalcommerce.com. That's digitalcommerce.com. Hello, and welcome to the Copy Blogger Podcast. My name is Tim Stoddart. Thank you so much for joining me. In today's episode, we speak with Pat Walls, the founder of Starter Story. Starter Story has had huge success over the last few years, and Pat credits most of that success to good SEO that leverages user-generated content. Pat's brand and his method in creating his business is one of a kind. One of the things I love about Pat is that he is a scrappy entrepreneur. In this episode, we talk a lot about the mistakes he's made along the way, the experiments he's done, and the lessons he's learned. We also talk about how he built a team of employees and also contractors that fulfill the roles he needs at the time. And finally, we finished the conversation talking about Pat's revenue models. It was really cool to listen to the evolution of the business and to learn about the trial and error process that Pat leaned into that ultimately generates the most money and delivers the most value for his users. Pat was a great guest and I'm so happy we got to talk. Please help me welcome Pat Walls. Hi, brother. Well, Pat, thank you so much for joining me on my show. I've been reading your blog. I've been following your story. Um, you and I actually met on Twitter uh, a while ago because I asked you uh, how you were creating those automated social media featured images. And you shared with me, it was called Placid, I think. I don't know if you remember that, but that's how I started following you. Oh, wow. That's so funny. Yeah. My friend started that, uh, that company, Placid. It's really cool. We use it for a ton of stuff to create basically automation with images. So like to yeah. put a dynamic text on images, it's, it's cool software. Yeah, it is cool. Um, so point is, uh, I've been following your, your story for a while. I think this is a, a little bit different of a show because we really don't know each other at all. Uh, usually I have like some kind of relationship, but like we'll be sort of getting to know each other through this podcast. So let's just dive right into it. I want to hear about starter story, man. Um, you've, you've, hit something with uh this idea of like mass volume of content and with personalized stories and like individualized experiences and it's really working I, i'm an seo man so I, I i check out your site from time to time and man the, the traffic that you're getting is absolutely crushing it so uh, let's just jump right into it man tell me about uh, how starter story came into play and just give me a little bit of insight about the journey yeah well, I looked at uh, recently uh, the date, and it's been almost four years. Wow. So that, that's kind of a trip. I, you know, sometimes you feel like you're going not fast enough or, or, or too fast. Uh, so 
that's crazy. But it started in 2017 and I started, uh, you know, I just come off of a failed startup to try to uh, build a SaaS with some friends first, you know, journey into entrepreneurship. And after that, I I wanted to start something on my own because, you know, my co-founders from before didn't work out and I kind of caught the startup bug, I guess, and I didn't really know what to do. So I just started uh, with this idea of interviewing entrepreneurs about how they built their business. And I figured maybe, you know, this could be a, a blog and then I could meet people or find a new idea through that. So back in 2017, I would, um, you know, interview people and they would share how much money they're making with their business. That was kind of the, the theme of the blog is you, you tell me how, transparently how you started your business and how you grew it, how much money you make, and we'll publish the interviews. Um, and then, you know, it just kind of took off from there. We just, you know, back in the early days, it was just purely interviews with entrepreneurs because we were sharing the revenue numbers. And there's this other website called Indie Hackers, um, which um, also did the same thing, but they were more focused on software uh, yeah. and developers. We were uh, in the early days, like um, talking uh, to e-commerce startups, so people who were, you know, selling physical goods. So we went with that angle and then we just kind of, you know, took off from there. And, and now it's a lot different. Uh, we, we do a lot more content. I, I would consider us more of like a, a media company. I say that with quotes, but um, uh, a blog versus the media company. So we're doing like lots of different stuff. We have employees now and all that, but it did start as just a simple interview blog. Yeah, isn't that funny how anything that I've ever started, well, even the things that have failed, what it turns into is hardly ever the thing that like you planned for it to be. I've, I've almost accepted that part of the journey now where you can't get too attached to your idea because like, I don't know what the expression is. I'm not trying to sound too like meta here, right? But like just the energy of life or whatever will take it to where like it's supposed to be. It sounds like that was your experience. I don't want to put words in your mouth. So where where was it in the timeline where you we're able to take a step back and say like, Hey, I think there's something more going on here than just simple interviews with upstarts and revenue numbers. Like when did this transition from an interview blog into a media company come into fruition? Yeah. That's, that's interesting. You say that because it is important to follow the energy. And it, the reality is I didn't really take it fully seriously, full time thinking that this was it until last year. Because wow. I'd actually, after starting, you know, my goal was to, you know, just do these interviews and then find something new. And I had started another business about two years ago, I think, that was a SaaS. And this is after starting Starter Story. And I thought that was going to be it. Like that Starter Story was just kind of a way to pay the bills and, and that sort of thing. And I was going to start this new business. And that long story behind that, but uh, I ended up finally, sometime last year, it took us to actually did... Um, what's called a think week and where I just like, I was working so hard and I had, I was experiencing burnout and I just took a week off and I just drove around the United States. And I just thought about everything. And that was the moment that I realized that, okay, starter story is, is the business that I should be working on. Not this new SaaS or, or this, you know, like you said, like you have this, your idea of what will work is probably not what will, what will work. Um, you know, it's usually something small, like interviewing entrepreneurs that becomes the main business. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Hold on a second. Did you just get like get in your car on a whim and just start driving around? Like I'm feeling fucked up. I'm feeling burned out. I'm going to go drive around for a week. Or did you at least, I don't know, pack some food? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, pretty much. Uh, I had this like uh, Marriott deal. Uh, because my my dad works for Marriott, so okay. I could stay in hotels for like thirty bucks a night, and it was this was like two months after COVID happened, yeah. or it's maybe three months after COVID. So I was like super pent up, and I just said, you know, screw it, I'm just gonna drive to the new city every day, and then just you know, find a Marriott hotel and stay there, and then just drive again. So I drove like three thousand miles. It didn't end up costing all that much money. Uh, Where did you go? I went all around the West Coast. So I went through Utah and Nevada, California, Oregon, um, Washington, so cool. Montana, Wyoming. Yeah. What was your favorite place? You know, it's funny. I just I spent all the days driving and yeah. all the months just staying in a hotel. 
Uh, I, I did like Oregon. That was the first time I, I went to Oregon and uh, and to Eugene. And Eugene was really cool. I like that a lot. And I, I've been in California for like years with college and after college. So I've seen all that. So mm-hmm. I'd say Oregon is my favorite. Yeah, uh, I know I'm drifting off a little bit, but my wife and I in uh, October or something, she was pregnant and we wanted to like travel a little bit more before we had this, you know, little dude in our lives. And so we did the same thing. We spent a week in Oregon, which I had never been there before. Um, Any experience on the West Coast has been either snowboarding in Utah or just chilling in Los Angeles because I got some business partners in LA. And Oregon was really, really beautiful. And we got to see the um, the Redwoods as well. And, yeah. you know, you, you see the pictures of it. But I'm telling you, I even made a video of it. Like, I've never felt so stupidly insignificant before that when the trees are four times the size of anything that you've seen before. So um, yeah. I, I can relate. We did something similar. Took two weeks off. It was just like, I am sick of work and I am working way too hard. I've been doing this for way too long. And it was like... I don't want to be too dramatic, like a life-changing experience, right? But it was exactly what I needed at the time. So I'm happy that you got to get that. Yeah. I mean, I think taking time off is, and I should, I should do it again this year. Is It was the best decision I could have made. And I did, I kind of did it on a whim. And who knows if I didn't do that, what would be you know, the outcome? Because that's when we saw the six months after that, you can look at it on a, on a graph, is where the business really started taking off. So. Wow. Okay. Uh, I'm going to get back to starter story, but I want to touch on, on this a little bit because you've written about it in your personal blog a few times on, on patwalls.com. And I can tell through your writing that you're still sort of figuring it out a little bit, but I can also tell that you're having these, these ideas, these thoughts, um, maybe questioning, you know, the internet entrepreneur status quo about like, oh, this is who I am and everything is about creating content and like tweets and likes and share when in at least my feeling and correct me if I'm wrong, is that uh, you and I are going through a little bit of the, of the same experience. We're like, you know what, maybe it's better not to do so much, take some time stepping away from the work and just making sure that the work that you actually put out there is of maximum value. And uh, I know I'm paraphrasing you a little bit, but I, I can just tell through your writing that you're, you're sort of questioning some of these ideas. I'd love to hear about them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's this theme online that you, you know, got to be on Twitter and Instagram and um, do everything at once. Uh, I think, yeah, over time, I've learned that it's important to just focus on one thing if you can. Um, I mean, today, I... I play tennis for two hours and I'm going to go play tennis again for another two hours. Focus on uh, things that you like to do um, and you're going to get the same amount of work done even if you yeah. work four hours instead of 12 hours as long as you, uh, you know, really focus and, and work hard in that time. And there's so many distractions, you know, there's uh, Twitter, especially in social media, it's just a huge distraction and really the only way that I've learned to, to, you know, those, how to handle that is just over time and, and building a business and seeing what has worked and what hasn't. So I think it's just that, you know, there's so much pressure out there to, you know, be all these things at once. I don't know. No, I think it's important to talk about that, man, because with copylogger, we have, um, we offer a, a few products and services, but there's a, a community called Copy Blogger Pro. And it, when I'm in there and people are asking questions, you can feel that tension, right? You can feel that, um, that well, you said pressure. I think it's even more than that. It's, it's this idea that if we're, not, if we're not putting something out there 24-7, then like we're never going to make it, you know, because you go on social media for one second and you see the people with like a couple million followers. And then over time, I've learned that the people that I really look up to, um, especially the the men and women that have built really, really significant businesses that like mean something to them, they're not doing that. They're spending all of their time on like important, meaningful work where 
you don't necessarily have the dopamine hits that come with it, but you have like the real meaningful success. Um, I've noticed that. Is there anybody that like you've seen that is, is setting that tone for you? That's that changing your mind about it. Yeah. The thing is like, you just, you don't really see them and that's kind of the point. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of these people that you look at who are doing, you know, a lot of Twitter or all, all that stuff is like, that is their business. So mm-hmm. they're building a person, they're building a brand around, you know, their name or their business or, you know, they're in, um, news or I don't know, whatever they are. So a lot of the people that are just behind the scenes, you don't hear about them. And um, I think that's kind of hard, especially because now everything is, is virtual. So you only see the, the people that are, are loud and proud. So uh, I think it was, it's gotten a lot harder. And um, I guess, yeah, with your, your community that you mentioned is that's, one of the best ways to, to meet people or to, to get inspired by people is to be a part of like some sort of online virtual communities. And in the beginning, when I first started my business, uh, I was a part of a couple online communities that really, really helped me yeah. grow. And, and, you know, it's just like, you know, there's just like a chat or there's like a telegram chat or that sort of thing. And that was like, um, I, I just feel like it's so distracting to do that on Twitter. Um, and, to follow a giant feed of people that are, that are screaming. That's, that's tough. Just yelling. (laughs) Everybody listen to me. (laughs) It's just, yeah, it's just, it, it gives the wrong message. It's just like, there's just a huge difference between building a business and building, you know, like a personal brand or uh, if you're doing anything other than that, then um, we need to think of better ways to have communities of entrepreneurs or just like, how, how to, you know, better books to read or, or better ways to, to get inspired than just to go on Twitter. I think there's a distinction to be made what you said. There's, the, the lines are so blurred right now, but there's actually a difference between building a business and building a following. And like, it could be so difficult to see the difference between, between the two because you automatically assume Oh, uh, this person has 40,000 followers, like they're successful where it's all in many cases, unless you have something really valuable to offer, it can totally be an illusion where the only thing that, you know, the, the person with 40,000 followers is selling is some kind of info product on how to get 40,000 followers where, and it's, it's like a weird thing. You know what I mean? It's this weird cyclical um, concept. Whereas writers like myself and writers like you with, with starter story where that's why I always try to advocate um, the value of having long form content that the people who actually have interest in reading it are going to be there to sit and like take time to absorb the information and consume it as opposed to, you know, just the scroll or the next dopamine hit, you know? And I think that's coming back a little bit. I think people are starting to see the value of like storing all of your content, write meaningful content for the people that actually want to read it. And then, um, and then build not just your audience, but like your tribe of people through that mechanism. And you've been having a ton of success with it. Yeah. I think there's something to that, to building slowly and building maybe not through just channels of Twitter and, and getting followers. Like I, I think of this guy, um, his name is Matthew Paulson. He started marketbeat.com. Really, really big, successful uh, finance and stock media company. Um, but he doesn't really have any following at all. Um, and he actually wrote like a couple books and you like, you know, you never really heard of them or anything like that. But th- those books have been like one of the most uh, helpful things for my business because he runs a similar business as me. And um, those books were like, you know, amazing, but you know, it's not like the typical really successful book from, you know, successful author that you'll, that you'll see or hear of, you know, that are more mainstream or or household names. Yeah. But that guy's probably killing it. Yeah. I mean, he's awesome. And he's got like, he, I think he's out of South Dakota or something like that. And he's like really like focused on the startup community of South, of South Dakota. Can't remember what city, Sioux Falls. 
Um, and he's, he's like investing in South Dakota businesses. He's building small communities. He's like doing a bunch of stuff for his community. And you know, he's not really focused on like the, the Twitter world. He's more focused on like this, like smaller community. So yeah. and it, that's inspiring to me, I think. And, and he's more in it for the long haul. You know, it's like, I think he's been working on his business for maybe almost 20 years now. So I think a lot of people think that, um, you know, with this kind of hard and fast entrepreneur lifestyle where you grow to a million followers in in one year or two years but i think kind of slow more uh, you know human to human building of community is is a more powerful long-lasting way to build a business totally agree i think that's something you learn when you get older i shouldn't say you it's something i've learned as i've done this a while um, and the difficult thing there is learning how to be comfortable without instant gratification, because kind of what happens is you're five years down the line. And I never had that moment where it's like, oh, man, I made it right. Mm -hmm. Like I never, ever had that moment. However, when I look back in it, it's like every year was a little bit more positive than the last year. And so you're almost sacrificing that that movie scene, right? Where you get to stand with your trophy and be like, ah, oh, I did it. Uh, but what you're gaining in return is like that actual peace of mind of success that you actually, that I actually wanted. So it's, it's such a juxtaposition there, but it's, it's one worth noting. It's so hard to, to zoom out like that. Like I was just yeah. looking at, you know, I was just mad about that our traffic didn't grow um, month over month. Like it, it was the same as it was last month. And then I was just like, you know, like, you know, you, you, you're like, oh, why didn't we grow 20%? Like we usually do. And then I, I went and looked, I was looking at the spreadsheet of traffic and I'm like, oh, we've 10X traffic in one year. If you look yeah. at, at the traffic from last year, from that month, it's it's 10X smaller. So like, it's, it's really hard, especially as a business owner to really be able to zoom out because, you know, you get used to um, what, seemed impossible a year ago you're that's now feels normal so it's this constant you know desire for more that can be especially because you're just so stuck in the details you know you're so you're so focused on today and right now that you mm -hmm. forget about the um the big picture there's this really analogy that steph smith uh she wrote about and she told me about it um her and i are our friends Kinda, we're internet friends, right? And so she gave this really great analogy where every time you take another step up, all you see is the one more step in front of you and the one more step behind you. And so you, you take these incremental growth steps, but your perspective is still just where you are in the present moment. It was like, oh, I didn't get to that one next step where like you just said, I'm, I'm basically reiterating your point, but to, to be able to have the self-awareness to really zoom out and be like, oh shit, look at like the hundred steps I just climbed over the last three years. And, and the thing that's brutal about it is, uh, you know, we, we can talk about, it's like, oh, like, wow, such high class problems. But I think a lot of people quit because of that um, mental game, you know, like the two years down the line where it's like, oh, I've been working at this for two years. And like, when's this really, really, really going to take off? Whereas, the five years of continuing to build the steps day upon day is, is really where it happens. And so I, I get not worried, but I get uh, just concerned, I suppose, about all the, the, the people out there with great ideas and, and great things to say that quit too early just because they, they couldn't recognize the incremental progress that they had. Yeah, I think you know, I, my mindset kind of changed on it over the past couple of years. It's like, I know that I want to do this, just, you know, business and entrepreneurship and starting businesses. I'm hopefully going to be able to do it for the next 40, 50 or 60 years. I'm not really someone who wants to like retire early or something like that. So Me neither. if you know that you're going to be at it for the next 40 years, a couple of years doesn't sound so bad, you know? So I think it's just, yeah, learning how to, yeah, not to be so focused on instant gratification and to enjoy the process, uh, enjoy the, the daily kind of grind, daily work. And, uh, you know, just know that, you know, if, as long as you enjoy what you're doing, then eventually you'll, 
you'll get where you want to go, even if it takes you until you're you know, 60 or 70. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let me know when you figure that out. All right. <laughs> we could all use that advice. So, so that's really cool, man. Thank you so much for, uh, for being vulnerable in that way with me. Um, that's something that I think a lot of us feel and, and very few of us are willing to actually acknowledge. Let me pivot back to our original point a little bit. Um, I, I always want to make sure I provide like some technicalities with, with the, the people that listen to this podcast. Starter story seemed like it went through an, evol an evolution of what it was as a business. Uh, you seem to kind of be hitting a stride right now. And so what are the ways that you're actually creating revenue from this? A lot of times what happens is you get a lot of traffic and it's like, oh shit, what do I do here? Like, how do I monetize on this traffic? And uh, I've, I've been through those struggles and that, that journey of like stumbling over all the, the rocks in front of you, right? Um, so how, where did you land with that? Like, how are you making money from this and, and how's it going? Yeah. And I think it's a really interesting topic, especially for, for your audience. Um, we started by native advertisements. So we yeah. found a company who wants to get in front of our audience and, um, they are an email marketing tool called Clavio, amazing company, um, like kind of like a MailChimp, uh, competitor, more, more advanced version of MailChimp. They've sponsored our our newsletter for the last almost three years now, and hopefully they'll continue to sponsor it. Um, and that was really effective in the, especially in the early days when we didn't have a lot of traffic, we didn't have a lot of brand recognition, or we were yeah. just, they were able to sponsor us for, you know, a fixed amount per month so that we could, so that basically I could go full time. I mean, living cheaply, it was enough to just kind of keep, keep the thing going and focus on growth, which I liked. It was like more of a, a sturdy, strong sponsor rather than like a one-off sponsor. Um, so that was huge. And then we, right now our, our revenue is very diversified. So I do have a lot of opinions on this topic. Um, but after that, we decided to um, try out a premium membership. So um, we have like a New York Times style model. Cool. Uh, we have a, a, an article limit and you can pay to uh, unlock that limit. And then we also have certain gated features on the website. So a lot of times we take, and this is this might be an interesting thing to talk about later, but we'll take our content and we will kind of build databases around it or our databases will become our content and vice versa. So um, if you wanna you know, find a business idea, we have 5,000 in our database and um, you can pay for the membership to get that. Um, and we also run uh, programmatic ads on the website. Um, and then we also have a bit of affiliate marketing. So just like your normal affiliate uh, links. So we're like very diversified in our revenue and our revenue is like um, $43,000 a month right now. So nice. um, it probably could be more if you focused on one or, but you know, we're yeah, profitable yeah. and um, we like very, very, I feel confident that, you know, not, if one source of revenue or something happens to the business, we'd be able to kind of, you know, rely on the other ones. Yeah. Was that intentional? Did you intentionally seek out to diversify or was it something that just happened organically? Yeah, I think, yeah, intentionally seek out to diversify, especially as we become more of, I, I now think of us more as a media company. Yeah. And as a media company, you have so many options for the type of content you can do. And also ways that you can reach people like through like, you know, different channels such as Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, the blog, whatever. So there's also lots of opportunity to try different business models. You know, what I really love about and I've, I've embraced not doing a SaaS, but doing a media company is that you can just try lots of things and like you can break a lot of things. And one decision probably is going to break your business. I really, really enjoy that. I've embraced that more. Um, I think that's one of the more fun things about starting a business like this and why I would tell a lot of people who might want to start a software business, think about a media business because um, it can be, especially for someone like me, I like to try a lot of different things. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a software engineer by, by trade. So um, I think starting a media company is like really fun and uh, allows you to have fun and experiment. I couldn't agree more with that, man. I think that 
well, it's probably not so much anymore because it's the verdict is in and the the likelihood of you actually being able to hit peak scalability with a SaaS product is very, very low. Uh, there was all, there's this rage 10 years ago about you got to get into SaaS, you got to get into SaaS just because they're so scalable, right? But I, I see maybe not quite the same scalability with media companies, but it's, it's pretty damn close. And the thing that I like more about it is you don't need, you know, $2 million in upfront capital to start a media business. Like you need that for a software product because somebody's got to build the thing and it's hard. Like that is very, very expensive time. And that is very expensive work. Whereas if you want to start a blog, it can be about anything. Like it really can be about anything. The thing that I think is so cool is that if you're interested in something, other people are going to be interested in it. And it can just be the most random esoteric example. I, I was uh, talking to Ethan uh, from the hustle the other day, and he was saying something very similar. He's obviously more into newsletters, but he was going through examples of people that he saw who started successful newsletters. And I, I use the examples like, yeah, like you can do cutting your grass and start a newsletter. And uh, I, I put that in the podcast. And when I posted the podcast, some guy posted a link of his YouTube channel and blog that he wrote. And the whole entire thing, the whole, his whole entire media business is just about him mowing his lawn. Mm -hmm. And he's, I think he's making like 30 grand a month from like affiliate products and advertisements with, with lawn care stuff. And, and I think from a, a practical standpoint, that is such a, it's there, there's such, such an easier access to entry to go in the media route as opposed to going, you know, like the product route. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we we're fully bootstrapped. Um, you know, we were making 200 bucks a month, 400 bucks a month, 600 bucks a month and yeah. figured it out, you know, in the early days we were running the site for $30 a month. So that's where you can start. You can have a profitable business on day one. Um, so I would say that that's an amazing way to get into entrepreneurship. And especially if you don't want to make, you know, like you said, the SaaS model, if you want to change your pricing model, if you want to go freemium or whatever, that can break your business. Like mm -hmm. a simple decision can break your business. Um, it's, it's a lot more do or die, I would say, in a software business. Um, so media business, you can kind of screw up. And I, I'm always screwing up. I've screwed up so many times. And just, How so? Like, what are some of the painful lessons that you learned? Well, the the SaaS business that I started after starting Starter Story, I put almost all my effort into that. Let's say ninety percent of my time is dedicated to growing that, and ten percent of my time is going to start dedicated to growing Starter Story for about a whole year. And that still didn't break Starter Story's business. It still lived on, and I was able to catch myself. And, and realize that, that that star story was the right business to be spending 90% or 100% of my time on. And that one was not worth working on. Mm. And my business still lives on. And, and you know, maybe we wouldn't be, I mean, maybe we'd be a little bit further in our journey, but, you know, it's still okay. It, did, it doesn't, doesn't break the business. Yeah. What other, you mentioned just liking to experiment and, and, and try new things. Give me some examples with that. Like, what are some of the things that you tried and clearly like this isn't going to work and maybe some like surprises that you had where, oh, wow, this is working better than I thought it would. Yeah. I mean, there's so many. Like, we, you know, we we tried starting a community one time. That didn't work. Mm. Uh, and I think we're, what I love in the experimentation side is like how we experiment with content. So um, we just, have taken and the reason why we a lot of why we've grown in seo so much is our experimentation with content so we say like okay is this like this kind of content do people want this or not we can experiment with it you know it may take a couple days to come up with this style of content and see if people like it and sometimes you know with seo we can see the results of it so are people searching for this in search engines and can we rank number one for this if we do then we can not I have this course um, I, I, last year, I, we had so much growth in SEO and, and people were interested in it. So I said, okay, maybe 
would you guys be interested in my my methodology? And that's kind of our methodology. So I, I did a course on it. Um, it's just trying like tons of different things um, and not having like a you know too much ego or, or uh, pride about your ideas. You know, maybe one out of five or one out of ten actually works. But that's that's how we've seen our a, a lot of growth is just finding what people want through experimentation. Yeah, I love that. I can't tell you how much time and stress I've wasted and put onto myself just because I was convinced that like, this is going to work where you find out that this other thing that you tried and hardly paid any attention to is just what people are searching for. And so, you know, the faster you get out of your own way, the better. So um, let me stick on this one for just a, a, a little longer. What, what are like some of the, you mentioned you had a community that didn't work and you experimented with some different ideas with content and, and a lot of them were working. So I'm looking for, for actionable steps that people can take away from this. Like what were some of those things that ended up sticking? Um, I think what really worked is we just thought about what, you know, we do content about business and entrepreneurship, people that want to start their own business. What, kind of questions do they have? What do they need help with? And this has kind of been my like general thesis about starting businesses in general is like, how can you help people? Um, one thing that works really well for us is like people want business ideas. Uh, how, how can they find a business idea? So we did a ton of stuff around business ideas, like, you know, business ideas to start for introverts or couples. Cool. Um, that sort of thing. So we did like tons of content around that and we built our business ideas database. Um, because at the end of the day, that's helping someone find a business idea, or maybe they're trying to find a name for their business, or they want to know how much it costs to start a business or what are the right tools to start your business. So we think of things in terms of like, how can we help people? And then how can we create content? Like, what are the questions that people have by talking to people or just doing online keyword research? How can we create content around that rather than some idea that you have that would work like okay we just thought maybe that people really wanted a startup community but people didn't want to be a part of the community or the community just wasn't solving people's problems it was more just like talking about businesses people wanted business ideas that's that's what we found through that a lot of those experiments is that that was what people wanted Brian Clark, he's the founder of Copy Blogger. If there's one thing that he's constantly taught me and drilled into my head is like audience first, audience first, audience first. For some reason, certain people gravitate towards certain brands and it can be it can be challenging because you think, okay, if so copy bloggers writers, you know, and I've had the urge to put in other ideas, maybe around video type content, you know, or, or maybe around podcasting. Like we have a podcast, but even the data that we says, says the podcast that do the best are people that wrote or that built businesses through writing. Um, and so the more and more we analyze it, the more and more we see the copy blogger exists for two reasons, long form, SEO content that, like you said, basically solves a problem and conversion copy. And like, that's it, man. And it's, it's such a funny thing where, where success will bring the desire to grow. Right. And a lot of times the way to grow is to get smaller as opposed to just bringing all of these other ideas. And I was hearing that in your story where for whatever reason, the people that gravitated towards starter story, the people that were looking for business ideas. So you saw it and just doubled down on it. And now look, look where it's got you, you know? Yeah. I think that there's so much opportunity and it doesn't mean that you have to go bigger. It yeah. really means that you can dig deeper within the existing opportunities you have. And the longer you spend time in the details, digging deep and understanding what people want, like specifically for you, for like, you know, copywriters like all the elements of copywriting is such a vast sure. of topics right you could write about it forever you probably haven't even talked about 10 you know nine only you've only talked about 10 percent of everything 
And the deeper you get, what I've learned and what I try to tell people is like the deeper you get in the industry, you, the, the more opportunity there is and the more like you feel like you can't get enough done. Like for example, I've been playing tennis a lot for the last year. And, you know, when I first started tennis, I thought it was like pretty simple. Like you know, there's forehand and there's backhand and there's serve and, that, and that's it, right? But as you get deeper in tennis, you, you understand all the nuances. There's, there's slices, there's volleys, there's um, uh, just so many different elements of the game of tennis. And I'm only one year. And I know that, you know, after three years or 10 years, there'll be even more. Yeah. For, if you're starting a business about a small topic, it may sound like a small topic, but it may actually be, you know, in a massive topic, like cryptocurrency is another good example. Like it's, it's a, at its surface level, it's a simple idea, but as you dig into the rabbit hole, there's endless topics and, and ways to approach it, I guess. You're so right about that. And it's, it's like a scarcity complex, I think, where there's not going to be enough here. But even this, the quote, simple concept of copywriting, right? It's, it's endless. You know, you can get as detailed as you want with, um, I mean, geez, even off the top of my head, I, if it's almost like the more specific you go, the easier it is to come up with new ideas because yeah. like, like you mentioned, there's nuance and you don't have to, you don't have to open up like a different compartment in your brain you can just dig deeper into the compartment you have and i think that's a really great piece of advice for for people that maybe you know have written 15 20 articles maybe they got like a thousand people on their new on their email list and and you know i think about self-comparison a lot and you, and you see some of these other brands that have like a, a million email subscribers and it's like well they're reaching this huge broad audience why can't i and i think those are anomalies really yeah. i think that I think that what happens is the curse of being big means that you have to be generic because only generic things can reach that many people where the, the real, real little diamonds are in like the tiniest, tiniest niches and industries. And once you figure out what to write about, you're, you're off to the races, you're killing it. Yeah. You never really reach that point where there's you've done it all. Right. Yeah. The more you go into it, the more opens up opportunities. That's what I've, like you said, the scarcity versus abundance mindset is, yep. you know, you think that when you start out, you think that there's just these couple things, but you keep peeling back the onion and you keep finding more things. And it's like, there's not enough time in the day to do all the things you want to. That feeling, I, I think that's really exciting feeling. Yeah. Every time I, I experience that feeling a lot. And every time I do, it's like, it's, a, it's, it's, it's an exciting feeling. It's like, uh, how can we, it, it's like kind of a scary feeling. It's like, it, it's so big and it's so vast, but it's also just like exciting to know that there are so many things that haven't been done well. Like there are so many businesses to be built. There are so many media companies to, be, to there's so much content that is literally not even talked about. Like I watched this um, movie called My Octopus Teacher. And it's all about um, this guy who's learning about octopus and he goes under the water every day and he starts learning things about octopus that have never been recorded in science history. <laughs> Just because he spent one year learning about octopus, probably more than most people will ever spend learning about this small species. Like there are so many things that are undocumented that he found just after one year. And that's the kind of idea, like, feeling that I experience sometimes is like, you think it's all been done. And I always tell people like, oh, like they want to start this business. And then they went online and they saw that someone else had started this business. And they say, I guess I'm not going to start that business. But there's just like, I just, ah, it's like, if you just spend a little bit more time, learn about that business, there's so many other approaches and, you know, it's endless. I think that like all, People, the scarcity mindset thinks that like everything's been done, but yeah, all problems are man-made and man is always making new problems, meaning there's always going to be new solutions. There's always going to be new problems to create companies or solutions for that you can, that you can build a business or, or, you know, 
dedicate your life to fixing. So that's one of my big learnings or what I've experienced after, you know, I've been working on business for four years is that there's always going to be new problems. And that's like exciting to me that, you know, there's never going to be a shortage of problems to work on, I guess. Man, I couldn't agree with you more. And that feeling you said about, about just that excitement, I, I'm always living in there. And I'm thinking to myself, how is everybody else not seeing this? You know, like one of the examples I see is, is local stuff, especially in these second tier cities. You know, like I moved to Nashville like three years ago and, and I always tell people that reach out, it's like, hey, I'm looking for an idea. I'm like, just write about the city that you live in. And it's yep. so simple and it's so dry, but like, and then it's like, well, why am I going to do that with the newspaper? It's because the newspaper isn't you and they're never going to be you. And like, I swear to you, if you just learn everything there is to learn about your city and you go around, you meet the people, you see the restaurants, you meet the businesses, like you can get instantly so much traffic. It builds such a, a good newsletter list where local businesses will be like begging you to advertise for them. And it's, and that's just like one, one tiny example of all these ideas that go flinging through my head all around. Yeah. All around the notion of like, go small, you know, get specific and just be the best at this one tiny specific thing. To me, that's just so much more fun. Even if you can't yeah. make a lot of money doing it, it's so much more fun than going and, you know, working at a corporate job or, or, or whatever. There's so many people out there that are scared to, that want to start something that are scared to do it because they don't, you know, but like if they only knew how much opportunity at least is just right in front of your face, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. All right. Um, you've been so gracious with your time, man. We'll start wrapping this thing up. I want to I wanna pick into your brain a little bit about where you see this going. You're at a point right now where you can go down so many different paths. And I'm putting myself in your shoes a little bit. I've, I've been there and, and almost as like a curse of choice, right? We're like, oh, I can't go this way. I can't go this way. And and really deciding on which direction you want to go and doubling down on that, I think is important. So when, when you're playing tennis, you know, and you got your adrenaline and you're walking home or whatever, and your mind is really clear and you like stare off into space thinking about like where this is going to be in another three years, what, what, what comes into your head? Um, I mean, what I'm thinking about a lot now is like, how can we build, um, like a, a scalable media company that doesn't rely on me personally to be doing the writing or to be having the direction um, or to have, you know, all the ideas. Um, we're trying to build something that, you know, has, you know, right now we probably have like 10 to 15 freelancers working on content and, and building our databases and that sort of thing. I'm trying to think about how can we get to a hundred? How can we, like, uh, like I said before, is like we, our goal is to help entrepreneurs. How can we reach more entrepreneurs and help them with more things? So like what kind of content can we do and, and, and uh, how can we add more business ideas or, or cover more businesses? How can we get into um, potentially news and can we do more newsletters and that sort of thing? Something about like how do we grow this company and scale it? to a point where it's, it's not it's not based off my own personal brand or anything like that um how can we build something that's more similar to like forbes or uh, business insider uh, how can we build a, like a media company um how do you build a company I'm, I'm learning that um and how can we do it that's you know profitable and scalable and um i mean my focus has always been on user generated content and relying on data um, and building databases and building our own tech and building um, like a skip, like um, a system where all our content writing happens and you have review and, and, and that sort of thing. So it's, it's kind of going to the nuances of running a media business, but I'm, I'm trying to figure out how can we take that next step and build and have like a, you know, a, a team that is, yeah. is all thinking about the same mission and figuring out how we can grow i think you're at the the systems step yeah. like you just said because so much of this has been reliant on you and you're at that stage like how do i get out of this thing so i can start to build it right um you're gonna do it man i i, I really 
been following your journey for the last year and just seeing how far that you've come. Um, I'm like excited for you. You're going to, you're going to do some cool things. So I'm, I'm excited to watch you grow. Uh, all right. So we got starterstory.com, right? Um, patwalls.com you used to write every day. You don't write anymore. What's going on with that, Pat? Uh, we do a lot of writing. I think it might be an interesting point is, um, a lot of my writing is no longer my blog anymore because we do a lot of writing in our company. So we run our company through just basically writing. So like all our, our projects are, are planned through these long documents. Something I learned from Amazon. Jeff from Amazon, yeah. I did that same shit with my company. Yeah, yeah. How's that going? Can't, it works great, man, because it, it makes people force like to think things through. Yeah. You know, you can't just start spitting ideas through Slack. It's like, oh, okay, you have an idea. Like, tell me exactly what it is that you want to do. And if you can't write it out, then like you don't actually understand it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot, a lot of my writing is now internal company. I think that's cool. Like it's not, you know, it used to be a lot more about my own personal brand and like Twitter. And I know a lot of people would, would follow that, but I've learned so much about like, my goals, you know, right now are, yeah. and i've just like by writing about that even though it's probably not interesting to really anyone else or it's, it's too specific or it's too private um that has been where we've seen some of the you know the most growth is like to really just write about the company and what we're trying to do so yeah that's really cool i enjoyed your blog a lot and i hope that you start writing about it even things like you know you went through a fitness journey which I think is really cool. And I know that you got really into tennis and your move. Um, I, I like those things. The blogs that I read every day are actually, there's a guy named Fred Wilson who writes a blog called AVC. He's like a, a VC, you know, the Seth Godin blog. Um, this guy named Seth Levine who lives in Boulder. I don't know. I, I've always been into those personal, maybe not daily, but very frequent kind of like, this is what's going on in my life. So I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you that I noticed that you ain't there anymore. And, and I hope you pick it back up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for your listeners, I hope we didn't talk too much about, you know, the personal journey. If people are interested in uh, some of my, you can go into, into my blog and find a lot of stuff about like SEO and that sort of thing. Um, maybe, yeah, in the show notes, you can put some stuff around. That's applicable to your audience, you know, about content writing and, yeah. uh, and building a blog. Uh, unfortunately, I don't, I don't, we didn't talk about that. Uh, we should. Uh, we, I probably could have mentioned that more. But no, nah, man, I think it's really important. I really, really mean this. One of the most frequent concerns I get is just that that paralyzation, I suppose. On there's already so much out there. What is it that I can do that's going to stand myself out? And and the answer is just find something specific and bring your own perspective to it. So yeah, there's always room to get into like, you know, some of the technicalities about content marketing, quote unquote, but unless you get that initial, unless you break through that like initial plane of glass, you know, I find a lot of people just constantly write something and then they doubt it and then they write it and they doubt it. Whereas having a plan and just going with it and, and like, like you said, man, trusting the process. I think it's really important. I, I appreciate your insight. I appreciate your time. Cool. Cool, man. All right, so uh, I will link everything up in the show notes. Um, I'll have your Twitter on there so that you can build your following like I know it's so important to you. And, uh, and we'll do this again, Pat. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. Thanks. See you.